Welcome, everyone, to the Our Strange Skies podcast. I am your host, Rob Christofferson, and I'm joined today by one of my favorite artists on Instagram and fellow podcaster, Todd Purse. Todd, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. I am so stoked for being here and get into some weird stuff with you. You're one of the best people to get into weird stuff with because, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that your art really portrays is how magical this stuff seems and, and how magical the ordinary world can seem. So like the, this is definitely the episode to have you on for because uh, just in talking to some of the people from Puerto Rico, I've, I've, I've interacted with a couple, some of them talk about uh, what we're talking about today, these humanoids in Puerto Rico as if, they are, you know, kind of native to the island as if they've been there for a long time. So uh, this definitely falls yeah. into like the normal being magical and weird. So I love that. I can't yeah. wait. The little preview I got from what you sent, I am very excited to get into the stories. It seems right up my alley here. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the what we're going to be talking about, we're talking about the humanoids of Puerto Rico and... Uh, you know, the most well-known is El Chupacabras. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the way that that's, that that word, that name has kind of morphed into something completely different, uh, especially on the mainland in Texas, is, is yeah. very, it's very strange. But, like, there's a, there's a rich history here uh, when you dive into the old reports of strange encounters with strange beings you know many of these aren't associated with ufo activity though there is a lot of ufo activity on the island uh one of the uh researchers that we'll be talking about a little bit uh, jorge martin he uh he definitely has a, a view of this phenomenon which i has i find absolutely fascinating and wonderful in that yeah you know he's he's talking about these things like you know, aliens and, and the U.S. government kind of having it out in Puerto yeah. Rico. <laughs> that it's the I that video you sent me that I like I've watched probably five times now just blew my mind that it went from uh, pretty much discussing like the U.S. having uh, pet aliens in, in the rainforest of Puerto Rico to like it being a positive like almost spiritual experience for the people and how like the two exist in this guy's uh worldview is just really really cool and super interesting and fascinating to me yeah it, it absolutely is and uh uh as uh magdalena del uh amo frexedo uh who's the wife of salvador frexedo who's one of uh uh, Puerto Rico's uh, investigators, well, they've been investigating for a long time. He put it best, uh, They, she put it best, uh, quote, long ago, long before the arrival of Christopher Columbus, the god Yukuyu was wont to appear to the natives of the island, the Taino Indians. And as the centuries have passed, Puerto Rico has been the scene of 
all the most controversial and diverse sorts of paranormal phenomena, such as encounters with fairies, apparitions of yetis, of strange animals, of UFO sightings, of dwarfs with big heads, etc., etc. It's it's a all the strange, yeah, it's a strange <laughs> but like majestic place. Is 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 how it's being sold and like even in kind of some of the um websites that uh offer like tourism there's like a magical element to puerto rico and and, yeah. and what it offers but um it's, yeah it's really cool i didn't know until diving into this how much uh of like it's almost like America's rainforest because of our weird mm-hmm. relationship with Puerto Rico and how much of a presence we have in the, that like really magical mountain that seems to be so special to these, to the people of Puerto Rico. And that like when there's natural phenomena like that, when there's something weird and like, like a presence that's not normally there, I feel like that can be an indicator of just like, you just listed a ton of, of the weirdest stuff that can happen. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, these stories are fascinating to me. I'm very, very much in that creative, like it seems like there is something more than just uh, aliens and creatures going on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it kind of gets into the idea of, uh, there was a, um, uh, researcher uh mac tonys who proposed the idea of uh crypto terrestrials the idea that there is this race of other beings that kind of live uh amongst us maybe you know kind of hidden from us in in certain ways but they're there and they kind Mm -hmm. of make their appearance known from time to time and 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 i think the these uh cases kind of lend themselves to that uh that yeah. theory a little bit and and just how uh whether you know it's somebody in el yunque who is just randomly comes across a a, a strange humanoid which is a, a story that i've heard over and over again i even had uh a friend uh my buddy jez ortiz who's, who basically told me that he was uh he was in uh el yunque with uh a family member and they were I think hiking uh, up or down and they, f- they said that they heard like something in the brush following them as they were uh, going, coming down, I think. And Whoa. like, uh, that's, that's creepy as hell. That's, yeah. It's so creepy. No, it definitely seems like there's also like, especially in the, uh, the Jorge video you sent over when he's describing the Chupacabra, there's like something almost psychedelic about it. When he describes the way that they fly, that might be mm-hmm. one of my favorite things I've ever heard as far. I mean, you hear like with Mothman that he doesn't flap his wings. He just kind of like hovers and all that stuff. That's nothing compared to what he describes <laughs> as far as the Chupacabra using it's like uh multicolored spikes to somehow uh go into the air and 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 fly with leathery bat wings i don't know the way he describes it is so poetic almost it's like really beautiful for i don't know there's something special about it yeah there there really is um and uh to to give people a little background on our investigators uh the main folks that are that have done work on uh, a lot of these cases. Salvador Frexedo was a former Spanish Jesuit priest who published criticisms of the Christian church from like the fifties throughout the seventies until he was eventually kicked out of Cuba. Uh, So Mm. he, um, 
he had published a book uh, called 40 Cases of Social Injustice, A Self-Examination of Heedless Christians. So <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that'll get you kicked out of Cuba. Uh, and uh, he uh, ended up, uh, you know, moving to Puerto Rico and um, he continued to publish his criticisms. And as the decades wore on, he started to delve into the similarities between Christian belief systems and like, parapsychological topics and that's kind of where his uh interest intersected and uh he was definitely of the mind that these uh phenomenon are more of a uh a paranormal type thing um as, as opposed to the more kind of uh materialistic view of these things um, but the main researcher here on most of these cases is Jorge Martin, who has been doing it since the 1970s. There are articles in Flying Saucer Review from like 1975, 76, somewhere around there. So he's been doing it a long time. He, uh, If you friend him on Facebook, he's still posting things even to this day. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Yeah. Um, and I believe he has a radio show if I'm not mistaken, in Puerto Rico. So um, the earliest cases, uh, in particular UFO cases that I could find, uh, date back to the 1960s. Uh, the earliest uh, was from April 6, 1967, when a 20-meter long, which is about 60 feet, UFO chased a training plane. Uh, and like it's kind of <laughs> your bare bones of activity chases this plane and uh near tortuguero and it just chases it for a minute and then disappears the typical <laughs> kind of stuff uh but things get weirder as the time goes on so november 14th 1970 the coast guard they were searching for what uh was believed to be an airplane that was uh apparently engulfed in flames near Aguadilla Bay, and there were several witnesses that saw it. They sent aircraft and, and boats to look for this object. No traces of it were ever found. And two weeks later in Maya Gase, three witnesses saw a similar flaming object engulfed in smoke heading from east to west uh, in the afternoon, and it looked as if the object was going to crash into a building before... Uh, it just turned upward uh, and disappeared. So uh, sighting reports, not unusual in Puerto Rico going back. So, um, you know, UFOs are here. And, and this is where it's going to start getting a little bit weirder. So sighting reports would increase throughout 1972 through 73. And from August until the end of October 1972, Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic would kind of just be caught up in this flap. Um, uh, particularly at the end of August in the Arelenas Bajo neighborhood of Isabella, uh, a witness, Juan Andujar Castulo Rosado and Carmela Valentin, reported seeing, quote, something in the sky that was uh, seemed to uh, us to be a gigantic and shining egg. It was as if suspended in the sky. Then other small eggs began to detach from the egg, some of which disappeared, as in the direction uh, of San Juan, 
while one of them approached us hanging over the sky about 100 meters from the beach. So we got some uh, intense UFO activity here in 72. That's wild. It is. It's like anytime anyone describes a UFO detaching from another UFO, it's it's mind boggling to me. It's yeah, uh, like what's the what's going on there? <laughs> right. We we send in some feelers out and just yeah. like ch- check to see what's going on. But uh, yeah, so weird. very weird. Um, on September nineteenth, nineteen seventy two, Mister Carlos Ochoa informed the press that he has quote learned by telepathy that an extraterrestrial ship will land on the El Yunque Hills in the near future. And for this date, the young Ricardo Martinez uh, Rivera from Catano, uh, San Juan, claims to have received telepathic messages himself from a strange being, uh, along with like hieroglyphic kind of writings that he was picking oh, up. So, it, you know, alien, yeah, alien contact. It's very weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. Always with the hieroglyphics and the weird alphabets and stuff. Yes. Uh, we've got strange <laughs> languages here. Uh, and uh, activity continues continues to get weirder. Uh, on October 4th, uh, Gladys Maldonado Quinones, a 16-year-old girl, reported that, quote, she was able to communicate with two beings from another planet, end quote. She explains that while her family slept, she got up from her humble home to a place located about two kilometers away. She felt, quote, something uh, compelling her to do this. Uh, she was then able to see an egg shaped object. Again, we got another egg shaped object here. We got themes, uh, yeah. with, a, with a quote, luminous necklace around it, slowly descending. Weird. Uh, yeah, this is, this is very weird. So we got a, we got an egg with a belt on it, a, li- yeah. a very light, light up kind of belt here. Um, I like that. Both egg-shaped crafts seem to have accessories. Like the first one splits off with little like other eggs, mm-hmm. and this one's got a belt necklace thing. This is yeah, that's great. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a pearl necklace. So maybe it's just like reforming those little eggs it shot off, and it's the same UFO. Right. <laughs> right. That's a that's a good call. That is a, that is a good point. Um, so two beings descended from this object. One was tall, and one was a little bit shorter. Shorter. Uh, their skin was scaly brown turning to green and uh they also weren't wearing any clothes uh the beings claim to be from a planet that is not one of the the nine known which is which is always great because aliens always (laughs) seem to be vague about where they're from you know one of the millions of other planets like don't worry about it (laughs) yeah no problem just forget about it it's fine um so they they reportedly came in peace and according to the young woman they gave her a ring with a kind of emerald uh in addition to a shiny stone the size of her fist and uh, and an object that she does not show because if she does something big can happen so like this is um serious stuff's going on down here this is uh so she was Very gifted strange. these things and told that if she shows them to anybody, bad stuff happens or big stuff's going to happen. Yeah, big stuff's going to happen. We don't know what that means, Wild. but, you know, just, uh, <laughs> but it's big. big. Yes. Um, so three nights later in a suburb of San Juan at about 1115 p.m., Mrs. Julia Serrano and her daughter, uh, Blanca Miriam Serrano, 
while watching television, suddenly heard a strange noise, uh, and they see this kind of glow outside. Going out onto the balcony, they see a UFO uh, like, quote, the lid of a cake pan, very shiny, making a noise like an air conditioner. Um, and uh, I, I, I like the impression because it's just like, <laughs> I'm glad that we got uh, sound effects included. Uh, and it was moving yeah. very slow. <laughs> um, That's amazing. It is. It, it truly is. These accounts, uh, you know, made me so happy to read these. Uh <laughs> So it was uh, oval. It had uh, a very bright light um, that did. Um, there was also this kind of transparent glass that was on this thing that uh, she could kind of see through. And the the witness believes that the UFO, quote, was taking pictures because it was traveling very slowly. Sometimes it stopped and stayed still. It gave the impression that it was going to land. So I, I always find this interesting because there's this narrative that oh, it keeps coming. You see it kind of over and over again. And witnesses in cases thinking that the aliens are taking pictures of them. Uh, yeah. This was uh, in the... Um, the Rosalotti case from our Euphonomes episode. We we talked about how she was frightened when the beings produced this kind of like black box and she felt that they were going to take her picture. Like, uh, it, it seems like such an irrational fear to have. Right? That is mm-hmm. like, yeah, it just seems like something that I, for all of the uh, encounters that I've heard you talk about, I don't think I've ever heard a camera or a lens or anything like that. Like it's, it's almost like that feeling of being watched, but amplified. Like that's really interesting. Yeah. Right. Really like interesting. it's taken to kind of a completely different level. It's like, it's taken to kind of a technological level in a way where, um, you know, it's not just the feeling of being watched, but like, <laughs> like you're being recorded. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's that's super interesting. And yeah. And that's common through all cultures that you've uh, reported on at this point. Uh, there's been uh, you know, from a bu- a few different countries in in which yeah. people have claimed this. So like apparently this is a common fear amongst uh the world is that aliens Very interesting maybe taking our pictures. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it. I like it. <laughs> I'd so, like to think it's for some sort of giant art show somewhere. Like they're right. having a giant, you know, it's a, this is an art project, not like a scientific documentation of any kind. <laughs> or maybe, you know, they want to make a collage of their trip to earth. So they're getting exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Love thing it. is, it's like all these photos are kind of like, they would be uh, like, you know, Google, <laughs> earth images like from above (laughs) oh man alien google hiring these folks like the google cars they used to drive around and like Mm -hmm. you know take the maps pictures that's even more frightening somehow (laughs) it is it really is um so uh eventually the the object just kind of zoomed off but uh you know the the Activity continued on the island uh, on October 17th. Uh, Mr. Juan J. Noriega saw a luminous ball in the sky from the town of Cuamo. He claimed that the ball came quite close to the ground and he could see that on its side it had intensely luminous openings that seemed to him to be observation windows. Um, And, you know, like 
these sightings just continue and continue. Um, about uh, 10 days later on the 27th, Oscar Hernandez Perez uh, from San Sebastian reports the appearance of a UFO over the town. It was kind of like a disc white in color and witnesses said that when they spotted it, it was going so slowly that it gave the impression of wanting to stop, which is an interesting uh, kind of sentiment there. Um, yeah. Like it couldn't stop, but it wanted to. Yes. Uh, and uh, there are other witnesses that claim to have taken multiple pictures uh, around this time and, and stuff, but like, just like a lot of activity on the rise in 72. And then we get to 73, which, uh, you know, the UF, UFO activity didn't fade, but uh, there's a couple of cases from the uh, year of the humanoids uh, flap of 73 that uh, are, are interesting. And one of them is, is just this very, I think it's only like a paragraph long in an article in Stendek, which basically says uh, the the summary of it is this woman interacted with somebody that she believed was an alien. <laughs> Literally okay. all it says. All right. That's all a humanoid says. encounter right there. <laughs> yes. This is where we tr- uh, transition a little to uh, El Yunque. Uh, and, and we talked about a little bit about this story on the uh, Year of the Humanoids episode. But I, I want to bring it up again because it's so interesting and unique. And it has supplemental kind of um, activity uh, revolving around it. So uh, on Saturday, October 20th, 1973, a group of nine people went into El Yunque to spend the night uh, with the intention of seeing a UFO. So of El Yunque, Jorge Martin, Jorge Martin wrote, uh, quote, the National Caribbean Rainforest located in Sierra del Luquillo uh, in the east of Puerto Rico is also known by our people as El Yunque. This after the name of the best known mountain there. Uh, so like, uh, there's El Yunque, the rainforest. There's also El Yunque, the mountain, which I believe is on the mm-hmm. other side of the island. Um, okay. But uh, uh, the place is known for its beautiful landscapes and its, and lush tropical rainforest vegetation. But for many decades, it has been covered by an aura of mystery, being described as a place where strange things happen, such as encounters with incredible creatures, apparent alien beings, Bigfoot-type creatures, UFOs, mysterious uh, people disappearances in the area, and in the last 10 years, a clear U.S. military involvement with the alien situation unfolding there. Um, And the following case is kind of an example of one of this. So uh, this group was composed of Alberto Ramos, Juan Jimenez. Uh, He was a commercial pilot. Uh, His brother, Luis, uh, and Efrain Arroyo, a university student as well as a high school teacher, uh, a, a high school teacher was with them and four students. So like that seems to be kind of the like weird tacked on element of this uh, is like, yeah, there's a few other people who wish to remain anonymous on with this um, trip, but the yeah. group, they were, they had an infrared camera on them, which was interesting. Okay. Yeah. They had flashlights, you know, light signals, food, the basic kind of camping equipment 
Uh, and they began their ascent of El Yunque around 6 p.m. And as they walked up the small path, they were met by three girls and a young man coming down with a single flashlight in their hands. Uh, and they found this to be odd, as there was no other cars in the area when they had arrived. So they were not sure who these people were. It just kind of seemed very strange that they were out here. Uh, it it kind of has, there's a weird vibe happening yeah. here. Uh, and according to Jose Jimenez, uh, the three girls were very pretty, looked similar, and dressed alike in blue pants and red sweaters. So like, it's even weirder that they're all wearing the same outfit. (laughs) And it's always like, uh, I guess red flag or pops up to me when colors are so specific, when people are like, okay, like not only like the consistencies, but that it was uh, a weird enough thing to stick out to the witness is always crazy to me. Yes, it, it is very strange. Uh, and after reaching the top, the group camped around a concrete hut used for radio communication equipment. Uh, and there was this kind of uh, red light that was uh, illuminating kind of the area around them. At around midnight, one of the members of the expedition indicated to his companions that he felt that something or someone was watching them. Then they heard this kind of strange noise, which prompted Juan Jimenez to start taking infrared photographs, just kind of at the darkness. So it's that meme of, you know, that kid casting magic missile at the darkness. That's where we're at. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, we're we're pointing it. uh, It's just like pointing it kind of like where people are saying, hey, you know, aim your camera there. So they noticed some deep footprints in the area as well as some trampled grass and broken branches and uh they just kind of kept finding these odd things and a little while later Eriberto Ramon and Efrain Arroyo they ventured away from the group uh, descending down the mountain a little bit uh it isn't exactly clear why they did this but um in the dim ambient light of the moon that would kind of peek through the clouds at, at certain points. They could see four beings that were coming up the narrow path. Quote, we only made out shadows, some silhouettes that came up moving from side to side of the road as if in a zigzag. Among them, there was one that acted as a leader. He advanced a few more steps and stopped. He went cautiously, not knowing what we were facing. The one in front seemed to have in his hands a little machine, perhaps electronic, from which green, blue, and red lights came out. He moved he moved it up and down. It wasn't a means of illumination. It was something with those little lights. Yes, we heard the sound of its movements, the brush against the trees. We were already closer when one of the companions shined his flashlight on one of the creatures. They moved quickly backwards, end quote. Uh, according to uh, Efrain Arroyo, this is as close as the beings got. Uh, and at that moment, both men felt this great kind of tranquility that they had never experienced before. But it was just like, uh, you know, this kind of calming feeling that came over them. And the strange creatures kind of just began to zigzag, uh, continuing up. And... Wow. Uh, according to the witnesses, they were, quote, four creatures between five and six feet tall with long arms 
We did not see the hands, but we had the impression that they were long. When we illuminated them, we could notice a we could notice a being with large eyes, a nose and pointed ears or like horns. We don't all agree on this last point. Uh, the movements were abrupt as if jumping. We think they learned uh, we think uh, they leaned on the branches to jump from one side of the road to the other to make those footprints they have uh, they have to uh, use great pressure with the heel of our shoes we barely it barely sank into the ground end quote so um, the the sketch of these creatures, in the year of the humanoids report is kind of hilarious because it's it's like a bare bones sketch of it it almost looks like a, an overlarge dog head with big eyes uh in a way yeah. it's uh it's it, it's 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 kind of funny looking but um um needless to say nobody slept for the rest of the night and yeah. the party just kind of began their descent at around 5:30 when uh it started to get uh when the sun started to come up and uh they found that the the whole path was on both sides full of deep footprints larger than a normal foot foot accompanied by another smaller footprint which was very weird um in addition the branches of the, of the nearby bushes were broken and in some places just completely separated uh they traced uh, the, the creepiest thing they traced all of these footprints back to their car what that mm-hmm. is super creepy. The mm-hmm. uh, unnatural movements always gets me with these things. Mm-hmm. Like that sounds horrifying. They sound like they're like flinging themselves off branches and ju- like that's like some acrobatic, right. unreal stuff that I don't want to. Yeah, don't like it. I-, I think they could be pretty effective hockey players with that zigzag yeah. movement. You know, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I think you uh, you get them in some pads, get them on some skates, get them out in that in that rink, and uh, they're gonna perform. They're gonna score some goals. I, I think it could. I happen. believe it. You I know. think you're onto something. It could be like the new Air Bud, but like you know, alien dudes. I'm I'm into it with alien dudes from Puerto Rico. I I, I dig it. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> these guys are obviously team parties. I mean, all of these accounts seem to have groups of beings. I, I like yeah. it's interesting that there's there doesn't seem to be very many like lone occupants of any of these things or any of these encounters. Uh yeah, up, uh, up front here there aren't um uh, some in the in the latter half there will be, but uh, yeah, there the like there seems to be a group dynamic here. Um, and it was uh, Juan Jimenez, uh, the commercial pilot, who took the infrared film that they'd shot home with him. Okay. Uh, and interestingly enough, I, I, he wasn't home at the time, but uh, while uh, sitting on the balcony with a neighbor, Jimenez's mother heard this strange movement as if someone were moving the film or trying to take it off the roll. So... In their apartment, they're hearing these strange sounds, uh, like poltergeist-like stuff happening with this film. Whoa. And uh, the neighbor also heard this. The two of them fled, uh, and they didn't return uh, until they came back with the rest of the family. But um, a couple days later, on Monday the 22nd, uh, Efrain Arroyo took the film home with the intent of having it developed at a commercial processing plant. 
And that night, both his mother and his father heard strange noises. Quote, the slats seemed to move on their own or we we would hit the ceiling uh, and any kind of bell for a moment. An electric fan rolled on the floor. So like they have just stuff moving in their home. And according to Arroyo, the poltergeist like phenomenon uh, ceased the next day. Uh, the infrared film was processed, uh, but there was nothing that they could find on it. Um, and uh, they actually just kind of threw the photos away later, which I kind of <laughs> don't blame them because yeah. Uh, yeah. it's disappointing yeah. when there's nothing there. <laughs> yep. And you don't and, want more poltergeist stuff like if it's associated no. with that. That's yeah. No, you get rid of that. Going to pass. That's a big hard pass uh, for me. I'm going to pass on that. But uh, (laughs) some of the witnesses also claim to have had nightmares, including one of the unnamed students who said that an apparition of the beings that had been seen visited him and told him to forget about the entire thing. Ah, and he said apparition as if they're like uh, ghostly appearance Mm -hmm. this time. Man, that's super frightening. Uh, yeah, hitchhiker yeah. stuff. I do not like. I'm I'm not into that. <laughs> not a fan at all. Um, but uh, over the years, Jorge Martin would become the dominant ufologist in Puerto Rico, uh, publishing just constantly from the '70s, uh, pretty much up until he's probably still publishing stuff, um, yeah. or, or at least you know talking about it on the radio or something like that. But um, he was kind of a fixture of Flying Saucer Review in the 90s. Like there were a lot of articles dedicated to the stuff going on in Puerto Rico at the time. So, um, you know, these reports from El Yunque just continued on. Uh, you be, becoming a hot spot for sightings of basically kind of like short, strange humanoid beings. Um, and witnesses would also report like strange birds and other animals. Like there, there's talk of like serpent birds, uh, in some reports. Yeah. They're very, a lot of very strange animals. Um, but, uh, in, in 1984 there, it was alleged that an alien craft had crashed into the slope of one of the mountains of LU in LUK. Um, the craft, along with several alien corpses, were taken by the U.S. military, according to high-ranking mili- uh, a high-ranking military officer who spoke to Jorge Mar- uh, Martin, claimed that a force of 15 soldiers and three commissioned officers part- were part of the, the special unit were in El Yunque performing maneuvers on February 16, 1984. Three nights later, quote, at about 1 a.m., a group of the soldiers went down in a jeep to uh, Palmer, a sector at the foothills of El Yunque in 65th Infantry Road, to get some cigarettes and some other things in a gas station. Um, when they arrived at La Coca, uh, uh, this is like a, a waterfall, down in road 191, the men heard some strange noises in the brush, which sounded like heavy footsteps on the dry leaves and branches in the forest. They stopped their Jeep, got off it, and checked the area in order to see who was there. Uh, remember, they were there on a secret mission, and no one was supposed to know about their presence in the forest. When they stopped, the Jeep went dead. The lights, the Jeep's engine, the radio communicator, everything went dead. 
Their watches wouldn't work anymore, even quartz watches. They couldn't understand what was happening. They tried to communicate with the others up in the classified area, but the radio equipment was dead. The men got off the jeep and took positions in the waterfall area as they kept hearing the sound of heavy footsteps in the brush approaching. It was as if someone or something was coming towards them, but they couldn't see who it was. Maybe it was terrorists who wanted to attack the federal government installations in the area. On Punta del Este Peak, there's a powerful U.S. Navy radar station, and in the summit of El Yunque Mountain, there are communication systems, antennas, which are used by the Puerto Rico police, the FBI, the Federal Aviation Administration, and other federal agencies. Or maybe people checking on the presence of the Special Corps unit there. They were ordered to be on alert and take positions in the perimeter. Their commanding officer shot a flare, and they had 100% visibility, complete, but they still couldn't see whatever was approaching them. The steps and noises continued, and everyone was nervous. They shot another flare and ordered whoever it was to stop to identify himself and to come slowly out to where they were. No answer. They repeated the order, but still no answer. Nothing happens. There's no response. At this point, they received orders from their acting commander, acting commanding officer to shoot if necessary that whatever it was kept on coming towards them. Then the acting commander ordered them to shoot at will. One of the soldiers fired a round of shots in a cross-like motion with this automatic rifle, specially prepared for jungle combat, in the direction the sounds were coming from. Three of the bullets seemed to hit whatever was approaching. There were more shots. The men were very stressed. Then a lot of noise was heard coming from the forest and the sound of something running and stepping heavily over the branches and leaves, getting away from the place. Then everything stopped and a weird calm overtook the perimeter, end quote. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is a lot. Wow. Mm -hmm. He fired in a cross motion. That really got mm -hmm. me. I mean, uh, <laughs> I didn't see that yeah. coming. No. And again, this kind of lends credence to my buddy, Jez Ortiz, who, who's like, yeah, we heard these strange sounds as if someone was like, you know, walking yeah. with us and stuff. So like, yeah, we got another kind of situation like that here. Um, wow. So their commanding officer ordered a perimeter search, but uh, failed to turn up anything. But a short while later, their their watches and the jeeps came back to life. It's interesting that like, because normally when you when you hear about watches stopping, it's like they stop forever, like they don't yeah. start back up. But their watches came back to life, uh, and an hour and a half hour later, additional military personnel swarmed the area and declared it off limits. The officer continued, "quote." At about 2 to 3 a.m., a lot of people from Roosevelt Road's Naval Station arrived, and with them came an unknown group of men in U.S. Navy-marked vehicles. They all were dressed up in white one-piece anti-contamination suits with masks. Only their eyes could be seen through crystal openings. The type of clothing you use to prevent radiation or bacterial contamination, these people with the suits entered the forest 
with what seemed to be detectors of some sort, doing an extensive search of the perimeter that was extended to the slope that descends to the west from the antenna sector in the summit of El Yunque and towards El Verde. I heard these men had found a trail of strange green luminescent liquid substance on the ground and leaves, following it to an undisclosed place where they found something, end quote. Don't know what that something no. is because we're never told. <laughs> That's so just like alien blood or ectoplasm mm-hmm. or some kind of mm-hmm. green ooze. I love that's green ooze. That's uh that's great. <laughs> Very like, Ghostbusters esque. Yeah, this is the quintessential like predator blood. Uh yeah. <laughs> because I do believe predator blood is uh, if I remember correctly, it's luminous. I think when I think they you're right. like yeah. So We've got the predator blood situation here. Um, So this high ranking uh, official that told Jorge Martin this, this story has also told him that there is an official contact between aliens and the U S government in Puerto Rico. So that guy basically confirms it. But interestingly enough, this is not the only story uh, of uh, you know luminous green blood that Jorge Martin has collected. Um, there is another man whose uh, his name was uh, Edwin Godoy. He had moved to Puerto Rico years after serving in the U.S. Army as an E4, and uh, this this story takes place in in the uh, U.S. in in Washington State. So one night in 1978, his platoon was. Uh, returning to their trucks after a series of war games in the forests of Washington state and their trucks kind of seemed to be malfunctioning and they didn't know why the acting commander made the decision to return to base on foot with the soldiers ordering Godoy to stand with the truck uh, until they returned guarding it. So at 12 15 AM he's standing out there just, uh, you know, on guard, he notices this figure standing next to some pine trees and Uh-oh. this figure was very tall. Uh, their body Uh-oh. completely covered in dark gray, long hair. Uh, the creature would swing their body sideways, staring at him. And he could tell uh, because their eyes glowed red. So we got kind of a Bigfoot mm. situation here. Uh, Sounds this is, like it. Yeah, it's, it, it definitely seems like a Bigfoot situation. So the being started to run directly at him. So oh, no. Godoy, he shouted three times asking the figure to stop. And when the creature failed to respond, he just opened fire. He, and he watched the being kind of just like clutch its chest and moan out. Uh, and Godoy ran to the truck. He locked himself in there until about 6 a.m. When two mechanics arrived to pick up the truck, uh, he explained what had happened, but they didn't believe him. Uh, until they found some large human-like footprints and some blood. And when they later tested that blood, it was luminous and green. Whoa. Okay, that's great. I don't think I've heard of Bigfoot having green blood, but I love it. I think it's absolutely true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Totally, 100%. That's amazing. (laughs) Yes. Um, That's so, and you said that was in Washington State, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, so very very location appropriate for Bigfoot. I, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, Bigfoot, it has glowing green blood. So if you're ever <laughs> wondering, uh, that's that's what's going on apparently. But um, 
often descriptions of being seen on Puerto Rico are consistent with the descriptions of kind of gray type beings. Um, they're often described as not having gray colored skin, but like grayish green or completely green kind of skin. So like your typical little green men that you, that you would think of. Um, yeah. And, and one of the earliest cases is that of Cayenne Rodriguez uh, on one summer night in 1957 at nine o'clock. Uh, he was walking along a road when it came upon a group of children, only they were dressed in white overalls and they had oversized heads and picking up a strange vibe from them. He crossed the street in an attempt to avoid them. <laughs> Was it the big heads of the overalls? I mean, that's a, <laughs> that is the endless question. Like that is a question that's going to be like, you got to tell me, is it the big yeah. head or is it the close? Because like, uh, I'm wow, man, like, and these uh, are some particularly fashionable children aliens, like between the red and blue sweatsuit wearing beings and these guys. I- I'm liking it. I think yeah. I got something going on here. Yeah. Um, further down the road, uh, Kayin described a, quote, hollow in the air with blue and yellow lights. I don't exactly know what that means, but yeah, so um, it's a hollow. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, weird quote when I put it in there, but in other words, uh, it, it was as if he was describing a portal and on okay. the other side was just kind of like another world. That's the best yeah. description that, that, that I can think of for it. But I like it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just aliens walking down the street. Uh, when we did our Baileyans episode, we talked about... These uh, chicken poachers uh, from like 1976 and they had these weird big ears and they they were kind of they were very strange looking. But like at a certain point, there was one witness who was like, you know, had been drinking and he just like saw him like walking down the road. So like it it seems to be like sometimes you (laughs) see these beings just like walking down the road. They're there. Just very ca- maybe it's the whole idea of they just do it confidently enough, no one will question it. Like everyone will just yeah. be like, "Oh, they're just some kids with uh, enlarged heads." Let's not. Let's go to the other side of the road. We're just yeah. going to avoid this. Hide in plain sight. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, another case. Uh, the date and time of this incident is unclear, but uh, Maria Rivera and her family drove to the top of El Yunque uh, of the El Yunque Mountain region. Uh, their convoy uh, was driving down the mountain at 5.30 uh, p.m. Uh, and uh, they were near La, Cro- La Coca, which is the, the waterfall we mentioned in that in that other story with mm-hmm. the uh, the soldiers and the green blood. But when, uh, right near that waterfall, all their cars just like died. So like these beings, wow. for whatever reason, have the ability to. to to just disable cars because it's a common thing that keeps coming up. And the waterfall was involved in both of those situations, mm -hmm. right? Like it was at that same point. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Uh, and and interestingly near this waterfall, uh, I, I think I included this. Uh, there were some people that had taken photos in the area and had captured faces of little beings that were kind of poking out of rocks. So, 
something about waterfalls here that uh, yeah uh, seems to draw out the humanoids. So as <laughs> everyone's attempting to restart their cars, Senora Rivera noticed a short figure standing next to the waterfall, just watching everyone from afar. Quote, hmm. they are evidently extremely intelligent and sensitive, said Senor Rivera. Senora Rivera. For he actually picked up my gaze, as it were, and turned and directed his own gaze on me. He was a most perfectly shaped little man. And it seems that they have a great bent of curiosity. They want to know more about us. Because, no doubt about it, he was extremely interested in the cars and in all the activity there. And unquestionably, he must have been the cause of the engine stoppages. For the moment, he scampered off up the rocks and the engines came to life again. He was about four feet high, small, but nevertheless a complete perfect little man, slim, lean, very slender. His head was a bit bigger than ours, but not much. And it was egg shaped, a, a bit drawn out towards the back. He had no hair and had big, dark eyes drawn outwards towards the sides. The eyes were very expressive, very spectacular. Practically no nose was visible and the mouth was very fine, just a slit with no lips. I could see no ears. If he had any, I could not see them. His skin was a grayish green uh, shade. His little arms were long and slender, reaching down to his knees, and his hands were too long uh, and fine with long, slender fingers. I don't know how many fingers I didn't look closely enough. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's very so, fair. I don't think I would count the fingers either. Yeah, so uh, that uh, image that I sent you of that woman looking at that alien who's kind of pushing up like some leaves on Instagram, oh, yeah. that's, that's that's what this is associated with. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yep. That's one of my favorites out of that group you sent me. Yeah, yep. that's wild. The She uh, describes him so lovingly. Like that is like mm -hmm. one of the most like uh, affectionate or again, poetic uh, descriptions of a uh weird entity i've heard in a while yes uh absolutely like uh she had a fondness for this being yeah i love it luis torres is another witness to the little men of el yunque uh in february of 1991 luis and his wife margarita and two police officers that he was friends with drove up Highway 191 to a forest ranger office. While in the parking lot, they saw two little men coming down the highway. They appeared to pay no mind to their audience and talked to each other with a weird gibberish. Luis compared their speech to a tape that was being played at a higher rate of speed. Uh, these short beings stood four feet tall, wearing clothing that clung to the body. This tight-fitting overall extended up over the head, exposing a portion of the face and head. Quote, their heads were large, sort of slanted, a bit at the top and small, big at the top and small down below, looking more like the shape of an egg, and a bit flattened at the top, and their faces flattened too. I saw no eyebrows on them. They had big, dark eyes, blackish, protruding from the face, bulging-like. Their little necks were very thin, almost no nose to be seen, and nor the, the mouth either. 
their skin looked to me gray or grayish green, end quote. So very similar description to Mr. Rivera. And um, the, the beings walked down the road past the witnesses, seemingly aware of them being there. Uh, and doubled back again, passing. Them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just really wanted to uh, drive the point home. I like that. Yep. Yep. Totally. Just kind of getting their presence out there. Uh, Luis had the idea to pull his revolver, not to shoot them, but to let them know he was armed. I mean, business here, alien man. <laughs> you cannot walk by me anymore. I'm done with this. That's yes. wild. I still like I, when you see something like that and go to something like pulling a gun or the classic throwing rocks or stick poking or any of it. I'm just like, what are you hoping to accomplish here? What is yeah. uh, what what is going? What's going to be the outcome of all this? <laughs> well, it seemed to have worked because the beings totally aware of what he was doing just kind of picked up their pace a little bit and oh. then they just crossed into the woods <laughs> like nope time to get out shows you what i know see that's right <laughs> i i he was right then there you go yep. <laughs> but again it like gets back to this idea that it seems like they're natural that they're there they're not associated yeah. with ufos they're just no. there like this is yeah, their home even- they live in the mountains yeah, just the the mundane walking around, or even the the account by the waterfall of the one uh, little dude observing everything. It just seems like they're just hanging out and watching, and like you know, doing doing their thing. And it's very interesting that Jorge mentions um, a few times about how they're like known to go in and out of the water, and like yeah, mm-hmm. there's plenty of places for other things to live. Why not? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. In 1993, photographs surfaced of a strange being within El Yunque. Uh, Nelson Barrios and Joaquin Ruiz entered El Yunque with the intention of having a swim at the site of a waterfall known as La Mina Cascada. This location was exceptionally beautiful, and you know, just having taken their camera along, they just started snapping some pictures of the area. Only later when they had their film developed, did the developer notify them that in several of the shots, a strange head looked to be peeking out behind the rock. And like ah. the, the, the photos are, are interesting because it's just like, there's a head kind of attached <laughs> to a body. You can't really see it, but it's just like poking up and, uh, uh, you know, they, they weren't out there intentionally trying to capture f- photographs of uh you know strange beings in el yunque but uh that uh that seemed to happen um this was not the only time that uh joaquin ruiz had experienced something strange in that area he stated quote it was some time back we were camping up there and not far from the main el yunque peak when we saw lights shooting about very fast from side to side and as it seemed, joining up from time to time, some of them light color, some of them light colored white, and some red. They were round, and as I, and as I say, joining up at times and shooting fast from one side to the other. It looked as though they were actually coming out of the mountains. We were wow. scared, I must admit, and we did a lot of imagining about what it what it all might be, but definitely 
they were something weird end quote so <laughs> i love that i yeah. that's my favorite like we have no clue but it was weird and that's mm-hmm. awesome yeah uh nelson barrios uh also claimed to have seen like a ufo 20 years prior and he had um he was set to hand the photographs over, but uh, his van was mysteriously broken into and they were stolen. So, Oh, no. Yeah. That so. seems to be pretty consistent. Not by poltergeist this time. It was uh, no. it was more more of a human act of theft. Yep. Yep. So weird. Just uh, people stealing their UFO alien photographs. It's uh, it's just how it happens sometimes. Um in August of 1992, similar beings were spotted near the junction of Highway 191, close to the Colina de Yunque housing settlement. A group of adults and children encountered two humanoid beings, four feet tall. Several of the children followed them on their bikes for a few minutes before the humanoids turned off the road and into the woodland. Witnesses claim that the beings had a similar grayish-green skin tone, dark almond-shaped eyes, and very small noses. Their mouths were barely detectable, and they had hair that looked to be brown in color and swept upward. So, wow, people just keep seeing this these these beings and and stuff. But uh, in June of 1987, Miguel Calderon. Uh, of Utaro was driving around 9 p.m. when he noticed two little boys in the road. Uh, Oddly, they wore tight-fitting silver overalls and had large heads and big black eyes. Uh, These are kind of a little more of your grayish types when you look at the Mm -hmm. um, images that were kind of produced for them. But one of them halted Miguel's Jeep by raising up a hand. Both beings Mm -hmm. then silently shot straight into the air. And after they left, his vehicle came back to life, starting up on its own. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, no thank you. All all of the stuff with just stopping cars and everything is just too much. And do you, how many, like, how many times in the stories that you research do you find aliens just fucking with modes of transportation or uh, stopping people where they are? It's weird because... That's normally a UFO feature. That's something that UFOs do. It's not always normally aliens just like throwing up a hand and like, eh, your yeah. car's going to die right now. It's, it's, yeah, it's generally more associated with UFO phenomenon, but I've, I've read stories of Bigfoots disabling cars by lifting up their hair. Like, uh, it, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. very weird. Uh, but some of them seem to have the ability to just like, yeah, your car's stopping right there <laughs> that's uh I, I would like to have that ability i'm into that right you know i think you could prevent some car accidents with that just like oh wow yeah. yep your car's stopping right there um I, it's dying <laughs> sorry but uh yeah it's uh it, it's a weird feature of it so uh before we get into the uh the chupacabras um we need to get into the background of kind of the uh, the history that uh, Puerto Rico has with animal mutilation. So um, they were nothing new to Puerto Rico in the, in the mid nineties. Uh, animal mutilations um, had started to, was especially in the U.S., uh, started to increase in the seventies. And by the time 
of Puerto Rico's first mutilation case, over a dozen U.S. states had reported, you know, similar phenomenon. And and one of the earliest took place on February 25th, 1975. And soon after, more and more deaths were reported. Uh, initial reports came from the town of Moca on the northwest corner of the island, um, the next target being Aguadilla. Uh, and it just kind of spread out from there. But um, a month later, the residents had dubbed whoever was responsible the Vampire of Moca. And officials were quick to kind of blame snakes. But mm. uh, there was a um, veterinarian doctor or a herpetologist named Dr. Juan A. Rivero from the University of Puerto Rico. And he started to look at the, the carcasses of these animals and he was like, nah, ain't a snake, man. <laughs> uh, that's not what this is. So um, next they started to blame kind of... Uh, uh, humans that had you know mental problems and uh it, it just kind of got weirder and weirder from there yeah. like there was this government this public outcry to the government to have officials like step up and do something and um in april they kind of did uh felipe and rodriguez uh who's the assistant secretary of agriculture found himself just kind of drowning in paperwork unable to come up with a cause for, for what was happening. But there were a lot of oddities reported in these cases. Um, the animals were killed during the night, usually in the early morning hours. And whoever was doing it was generally silent, even though sometimes like uh, these animals were killed kind of like right near the window where these hmm. folks were sleeping. Heard nothing. You think you hear something. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. very interesting. And when they did hear something, it was usually a loud screeching sound. Um, and huh. sometimes they would hear like the flapping of wings. Um, Maria, like yeah, it, it's it's like, what the hell is that? Like, uh, so it, it seems animalistic in many ways. Uh, Maria Acevedo of the uh, Barrio de Maria district in Moca claimed that at 12.30 a.m. in March of 1975, she heard, quote, a strange animal on the zinc roof of her house, end quote. It walked across it, pecking at the metal before it flew off, making a terrible screeching sound. Uh, Pauline Moreno of uh, Rexville, uh, Bayamon, observed a, quote, whitish-colored gigantic condor or vulture on March 25th. So... <laughs> It's like it's a strange. It seems like a strange kind of bird that's getting that is being pinned on. And and again, yeah, I did mention uh, that there are these reports of people seeing strange birds on this island. Um, yeah, flying that, serpents. Maybe it's a combination of uh, what, right. what the uh, people said. The the vet was right, but the uh, government was right as well. <laughs> this this brings to mind, and I forgot to include this. There were there's this one issue of Flying Saucer Review, in which they are there. There's a report and this picture that someone is holding this weird bird that has fangs on it. So you may not wow. be wrong there. Okay, you may be totally on. Yeah, and. Do so. Are all of these uh, so far exangu? How you say that word? Where they're drained of blood? <laughs> Pretty much exangu. Uh, exanguination. Yeah, it seems to be kind of the um, um, 
the MO here, um, you know, sometimes people would see strange animals fleeing the mutilation area. The wounds on all of the animals look to be produced by a sharp instrument, uh, which could cut through the skin, organs, and bone. Some of the animals had their necks just completely broken, and in cases where there were multiple animals in a pen, whoever was doing it was kind of picky with the mutilations. They would they would uh, kind of like single out uh, an animal every time. So the animals varied greatly. Um, domesticated fowls, such as chickens and roosters, kind of made up the vast majority of mutilation cases, over 57%. Um the second most were ducks of all things. Um, hmm, didn't followed see that coming. By, yeah, right. Um, followed by goats, rabbits, geese, cows, sheep, pigs. Uh, there were two dogs and one cat. And oh, uh, like this is kind of the reversal of what you generally see in in the states, which is generally cows, sheep, and pigs. Uh, so like, uh, and it, and it probably just has to do with the livestock that most of them keep. Like, uh, okay. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have chickens, so it makes sense that, uh, that is the case. Uh, one of the strangest cases occurred on the farm of Hector Vega Rosado on the morning of March 18th, 1975. He found two of his goats dead, each with a wound under the thorax and another on the upper part of the haunches. The next morning he came outside and discovered 10 more goats had died. Seven were wounded and 10 were missing. The article notes how difficult this would have been to pull off considering like how remote his like uh, farm kind of was and like how dark it is out there. Like there's no way that anybody could really be out there. Like, unless you've got some pretty powerful lights doing all this, like it's a lot of animals in like, and also silent. Yeah. Like wouldn't all the other animals be freaking out as the other ones were being murdered or whatever. (laughs) Like, right. Yeah. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, right. Yeah. It, it's just like very weird and how that, uh, was done. Um, uh, Buenaventura Bayo, uh, kept a number of geese on his property and as was a habit, he would go out around 1230 AM and feed them, which he did every, every morning around, um, yeah, around 1230 AM. And on the morning of April 5th, it was no different. And when he, um, when he had, he had gone out and he had fed uh, like all of them, he, he fed all of his animals. When he woke up the next morning, um, he found that all ten of his geese were dead in a circle. Um, Whoa. Each of them had puncture wounds in the area where like feathers had clearly been removed. Uh, and even more odd, his bed and window faced the yard where the geese were kept. So. Uh. Yeah, this yeah. is that's all too much. It seems like so purposeful. Like it all seems like very intentional the way that it goes down. I don't know, the, especially now that they're putting them in circles. That just seems like ritualistic or something. Right, right. And, and in like uh, I'm reading um, "Mystery Socks the Prairie" uh, by um, Roberta Donovan and Keith Wolverton, and like in the book it kind of goes back and forth between like uh you know this mutilation was done by like like they seem to be done by different things uh because there were different methods done you know done so like 
this is kind of one of those, you know, yeah. strange. This whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this whole thing is just like a great example of how I don't think there's like one particular answer to any of it i think it sounds like there's a bunch of stuff going on in this whole place yeah. and it could uh, it could be a mix of like you know flesh and blood creatures uh, psychedelic weird stuff and more like yeah it seems like this is a great example of how this phenomenon mm-hmm. can contain multitudes <laughs> right right um a month prior he had actually heard uh what he described as an an extremely penetrating noise as though there was like something in a in the room with him when he heard it uh and it caused his dog to bark so like uh you know there there seemed to be weird stuff going on around his property at the time too so it, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> no, no good creepy no good creepy yeah. <laughs> creepy creepy um Later, an eyewitness, given the initials AA, would come forward claiming that in January, while she was asleep in her Garden Hills home in San Juan, she was startled awake by a powerful humming sound, accompanied by another hum at a lower frequency. It was then that she noticed an electric fan in the room had completely stopped working. And once the hum departed, the fan started up again. Near her swimming pool, she discovered three strange marks that formed a triangle. So clearly just like a lot of weird activity happening in Puerto Rico in like early 75. Um, the next night, Pedro Vega Aviles would report seeing three objects brighter than the stars traveling south in a zigzag motion. Reports of objects in the sky started to become more and more common. In March, an area of flattened reeds circular as though some heavy flat-shaped object had settled there was discovered by three witnesses. So we do have UFO activity in the area. It's it, like, what is it, UFOs releasing their pets on the, on the people <laughs> of Puerto Rico? What is going on here? It's, yeah, there's something. It's either something like that or the there's something completely non-related like the um the two phenomenon are completely non-related but there's one thing drawing them both to the area which is interesting like if there's just something about that area that's drawing both these like more uh beings and these people or these things that seem to be of the natural environment and then as well as ufos and and Mm. i think that there's something really magical about this place it sounds like yeah uh it, it definitely has that magical vibe man and um whew, one of the most startling <laughs> encounters during the time period would occur to a man named orlando franceschi uh at the san lucas hospital at ponce around 8 p.m on april 18th he exited his bathroom preparing to go get some water from his ice chest when he saw a strange animal that he assumed to be his dog pass by the window. Given that his dog was tied up, this was kind of startling to him because uh, even though his dog's outside, it probably shouldn't be that big, just like walking around and stuff. So he went outside grabbing his shovel in the process. Quote, arriving round at the back of the house, I saw nothing, but when I came back, I saw it coming towards me. It was the same thing that I had seen go past the window with long ears, a long nose, too. The mouth wasn't very visible, but I noticed a slit with no lips. Two black blobs where 
which were its eyes, the jawbone of an ape, and it was walking the way zombies do, swaying from side to side. (laughs) It was an amazing sight. I felt it was going to attack me, so then I hit it with the shovel. It was about four (laughs) feet or so from me. It was very small, let's say about four feet, eight inches high. I hit it on the chest with the shovel, and the blow sounded a hard one. On feeling the blow from me, it backed away, but it made no sound. It moved as though it was floating. I said to myself, this is no vision. And I hit it a second time with the shovel, and again, it backed away. When I hit it a third time, I was in a rather uncomfortable position. I can't explain it exactly, but I fell. As though I had as though I hadn't hit him. I just fell. I fell just because of the weight of the shovel. I tried to get up again, but I don't know exactly how or why. I was paralyzed. I don't know if it was through fear. I had no strength. I felt there was something that wasn't in me. I looked around and the creature was gone. Then my strength came back. There was a zinc sheet in the neighbor's uh, fence between the two houses, and this had been pushed through onto the other side as though it had been pushed through. uh, I wrote that twice uh, as though it had been pushed through onto the other side. um, And it uh, it looked as if it escaped through there. I can't, of course, swear to this. I don't know whether it flew away or whether it just disappeared while all of this going on. My dog didn't even bark once End quote. (laughs) Wow. Um, I really would like to know how this encounter would have gone if he would have taken a lesson from those boys you talked to a little bit, uh, talked about a little bit ago and just offered this little dude some water. Like, you know, instead of trying to hit him with a shovel, just be like, hey, you want a glass of water? (laughs) You want a glass of water? Yeah. Those uh, those New York kids uh, just, uh, you know, just uh, offer your aliens some water and maybe they'll, you know. I don't know. Not paralyze you. And (laughs) it's also like interesting to me how like, you know, there's no retaliation really. Like he just kind of paralyzed this dude and was like, nope, I'm going along my ways. This is, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, So uh, Orlando had to be sedated for a couple days. Uh, Yeah. He, he had a hard time after this. He also started to hear voices and the voice informed him that all Christians should meet together and pray. And it repeated Whoa. the seven times and urged the churches to remain open so that everyone could pray. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't it's, see uh, that one coming. No. Uh, so um, after they had their wave of mutilations, there would be another one three years later. Um, and, and interestingly, there is a, a, a different culprit here. So, you know, people were blaming these like weird kind of like birds that were responsible for this. Um, but in 78, uh, this is what the press reported, quote, a strange animal with dog-like characteristics is devouring domestic animals in the Beatty central district of this town and keeping the local inhabitants in a state of terror. The animal is getting into the backyards of homesteads in the sectors of Los Blocs, Las Salinas, and Nuevo Amparo, belonging to the Ingenio Barahona sugar plantation, and is uh, catching cocks, hens, ducks, rabbits, and curios 
Uh, I'm not sure what Curios were in this case, and neither was the mm. translator, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's included. Uh, and according to reports, uh, you know, received from uh, residents of the district, Signores Alberto James, uh, Otillo Beltre, Ramigo White, Gilberto Garcia, and Armando Pena stated that the strange creature is, quote, so intelligent that it smashes the padlocks on the pens in which the domestic animals are shut up, end quote. They say that it gets in during the late hours of the night, and after catching the fowls, it drains their blood away and then leaves the carcasses lying in the pens. And the occupants of Beatty Central Sector believe the creature is a buka or dundun, uh, owned by the same local trader who wants to frighten people. They also say that it could be an evil spirit, which has been sent by some local sorcerer to find fowls and rabbits for him. Or again, it might be some witch that has broken her compact with the devil and is now wandering around in space and reappearing on Earth at night. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah space witch. Uh, yes, Space Witch, uh, the Beatty Central people say the creature is constantly changing shape. Terror has reached such a pitch among these people that nobody goes out of doors after nine o'clock at night for fear the Baca might catch them if he hasn't found any fowls to eat, end quote. So, yeah, just like, you know, kind of, um, a, a lot of strange mutilation cases. Um, yeah. Um, but like, you know, these figures are not El Chupacabras. Uh, though, you know, uh, a lot of eyewitnesses kind of pointed to human, you know, kind of uh, people uh -huh. getting involved and in, in stuff. But uh, years later, mutilations would play a central part in a unique mystery involving a mysterious creature dubbed El Chupacabras or the Goat Suckers. Um, so in 1995, the first of such creatures were reported in Orocovis by a police officer on the property of Enrique Barreto. The officers were responding to a mutilation case when they caught sight of a figure standing in the darkness as they pulled up in their squad car. The being was three to four feet tall with a yellowish-orange color. They attempted to follow this creature but were affected with nausea and headaches when they did. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, mm. that's no good. That's, that's no. no good. No. You don't want that. Nope. You do not want that. Uh, on Sunday, March 20th, 1995, Officer Jaime Torres saw a similar creature at 6 a.m. while investigating UFO sightings in the area that had recently been reported. He decided to do a stakeout on the property of Elis Manuel uh, Hernandez and had to uh, use the bathroom when he noticed a creature clinging to a branch nearby. They had a strange head, devoid of hair, a tiny mouth, and pointed chin. They had long arms with only four fingers, though the hands ended in claws. Uh, their feet bore the same number of claw-like toes, too. The creature moved its head from side to side and then hissed at Torres. He, said, he felt like he uh, was incredibly drowsy, like he needed to fall asleep, but fought the feeling. 
The creature jumped from the tree and then vanished. Additional reports came in throughout the rest of March and early April 19, uh, 1995. So, interestingly enough, what Torres sees in the sketch that is produced, it's not a typical chupacabras, but it looks like a gray, just like clinging to a tree. Yeah. So uh, that's one of my favorite drawings because it's just like, it's literally like hugging this tree and like looking out. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, it's almost adorable. I really yeah. love that one too. Yeah, that's Ew. super interesting. And you said that was the first one that was reported, right? The second one, yeah. Or uh, second one. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, so, and does it get more, like they get progressively weirder, right? Like they yeah. seem to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I I really like the build up this, this seems to have to it. It's very uh yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh so um in September of 1995 uh these uh, additional chupacabras reports uh started to come in on September 7th uh Misel Negron a young uh, a youth living in northeast Puerto Rico observed a chupacabras for 10 minutes from his balcony. Uh, this dark-skinned entity was between four and five feet tall with big red glowing eyes, fangs that protruded from their mouth, and log barbs running from the back of the head all the way down the mm. entire backside of the creature. So here we have your traditional chupacabras-type yep. creature uh, being spotted, uh, oddly, Negron described the creature as phosphorescent, constantly changing colors. Uh, eventually, the creature spotted him instead of running. They became very stiff and rigid, and Negron fled back into his house. Whoa, so, okay. Yeah. Um, the next day, his brother, uh, Angel David Negron, reported a similar creature standing beside a freshly mutilated goat. Uh, when he approached the creature, it leapt toward him, leading Angel to flee as fast as possible. Quote, on another striking feature noted by uh, Angel David uh, and also by his family is that a few moments just before he spotted the creature, they all heard a loud noise, like a buzzing or humming, uh, combined with the sound of a turbine coming from the direction of where the creature was. The same thing has been reported by eyewitnesses in many other places. At times, the creature also utters a loud shriek together with a sound uh, like a loud hiss, end quote. Um, so, wow. yeah. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is creepy. Creepy as hell. It's this just creepy super hell. creepy. Super creepy. Mm -hmm. And like, is uh, this the first time he was seen with the goat? Like with the actual uh, yeah. animal being mutilated? Okay. Yeah. And yeah, so I can't imagine actually walking up on the... Like I always kind of heard about it or thought about it as finding the dead animal and being like, what is doing this? But mm -hmm. like finding it in the act or right after sucking the blood mm -mm, no way okay can't, can't no, imagine yeah, yeah. That, that would maybe ruin my life <laughs> ruined for life not not having it not having it at all yep. um early in september 1995 a policeman jose colazo uh of campo rico fired at the creature with his revolver he had heard his car alarm go off and heard a strange and, and heard a noise uh, seeming to mean that someone was trying to steal his vehicle. So he seized his weapon, 
a, a 357 Magnum and went down to investigate and to his astonishment found the dark colored creature attempting to bite his dog, a full grown chow, and the dog was struggling to escape. Suddenly, the creature straightened up and faced the policeman who fired at it. Feeling the impact, the creature bounded back against the wall and then fled at top speed. The policeman, an expert marksman, felt certain that he had hit it, having fired his shot from a distance of only nine feet. Yet there was no sign of the bullet having hit his car, so he felt he had surely not missed and had indeed wounded the thing. Um, Daniel Perez was one of the first people to see the chupacabras fly. So, quote, it was daylight, about 7.30 a.m. I heard a loud humming noise, so I looked out, and I saw it. It was just settling, and it was just settling, and it came down on two feet for a few seconds upon a big stone in my patio. Then it performed a leap and rose and flew off, passing between the branches of an avocado tree without touching any of them. Uh, and we're, we're going to be including a, um, a video of Mr. Jorge Martin describing exactly how these things fly and uh, a lot of interesting stuff that he has to say. So uh, yeah, we're going to be like kind of, we'll be including some of that audio here. It was just as people have described it, but what I, what I chiefly noted was that on its back, it had, it has got a lot of what looked like tiny winglets uh, starting small and then gradually getting bigger as they go down to the lower part of the net of the back. In April of 1995, witnesses around Cuomo reported encounters with strange gray like beings on April 3rd. An anonymous driver on highway 155 was stopped by a strange creature resembling a gray in the middle of the road. Adrian, the name given to this person was terrified and hit the gas to move past this creature quickly. And upon doing so, the being ran around his car twice. He feared uh, running the creature over, but saw it standing in the middle of the road again in his rearview mirror. So you have these Chupacabras reports popping up, and then you also have these kind of strange gray type beings uh, observed you know, just kind of, uh, on the streets and stuff. So, um, this strange creature was spotted by a young couple two nights later at around 9 PM as they were stepping out of, uh, her car. First, they heard a rustling footsteps and then they saw a creature on the other side of the road, again, resembling the gray. So, uh, you know, we have these kind of this mixture of these grays, chupacabras reports. And, and I think what's interesting is like some of the people that I have talked to have felt like the chupacabras reports were not, they, they, they feel like, you know, people mistake you know, thought uh, that uh, the identity was mistaken and that the chupacabras were these grays and that, you know, it was mistaken uh. identity, but um, you know, it's just, it was an interesting time period, 1995, 1996. A lot of the reports are, are the same. We gave you kind of the uh, bulk of the reports. But now we're going to play for you this Jorge Martin uh, clip. It's it, we're, Spencer's going to include it in, in this, but like uh, he just talks about like children holding hands with chupacabras and, and, uh, and I yeah. love it. 
So in your opinion, this legendary chupacabra, mm -hmm. is that just something, an alien, and the chupacabra has been created to, you know, rationalize what these people are seeing? At first, we used to believe that maybe this weird creatures, chupacabras, or anomalous biological entities, as we call them, were some type maybe of uh, genetic manipulation, some type of experiment going awry that someone had made in the island of Puerto Rico and escaped to the environment and was doing all these type of things, you know, killing the animals, etc., in this way, because even though no one had actually seen the creature killing the animals and extracting blood and fluids from them, etc., and certain organs, they were observed in many occasions in the same sites where this happened, okay, next to the animals sometimes, in the same places before and after this happened during the incident. So there was a direct association between one thing and the other. Okay. Uh, afterwards, we have investigated many cases in Puerto Rico in which good, reliable witnesses all over the island have observed these creatures together with another type of humanoid type creatures or aliens. Okay, they are more human looking. They are not the common greys that are described so many times in ufology, okay, okay? worldwide. These are more human-like, okay? It is like a blend between these two species, our species and great type species. Uh, they are seen together. They seem to be supervised by this other type of beings. Uh, they have been seen coming out from craft, flying saucer type craft or pyramid-shaped craft. Always the same type once and again in different parts of the island. And there's a pattern. When there's a pattern, there's something to it. And as I told you before, the witnesses are very good, serious, reliable people. And they are given the same details, both about the creatures, both about the aliens, and the crafts. So we do believe there's something to this, okay? Uh, this is happening all over Puerto Rico. Uh, and now we have this other side to the phenomenon in which Several witnesses have come forward and have told us that they have seen these situations happen or UFOs of the same description taking away cattle from certain areas, levitating them, but at the same time they see this what appear to be military personnel dressed in black protecting these crafts, trying for the witnesses not to see what's going on. And we have to ask ourselves what's going on. What, this uh, new angle, you know, is a little strange. Well, I don't know, like, like the fictional movie, The Arrival, mm -hmm. and it took place in, Amer in, uh, in Puerto Rico. So maybe there are some grounds to that. Well, I don't know. But there's something else I would like to clarify, if you allow me to do so. Sure. Okay, I want to make it very clear that these creatures, the so-called chupacabras, do not, I repeat, do not attack people. Everything we have investigated pertaining to this creature, the research we have done, show us that these creatures do not attack people. We have many cases in which they have been together with small children back in the island. They hold them by their hands, as fantastic as this may sound. They look at them, they are very curious about us, about our children. But then they leave, they won't harm them. So I heard some wild stories coming out from Mexico in which people said they had been attacked, etc., etc. And I found them rather suspicious because all the data we have gathered contradicts this. Also, the description they were giving had nothing to do with the type of creatures 
associated with the chupacabra type creatures. So I don't believe this is really happening down there in that sense. I love how he really, really drives home the fact that these do not harm people. He's like, the yeah. chupacabras do not harm people. And like, there's there's something so positive to his whole message about this whole thing that is really uh, refreshing to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, so I, I think the question here is, would you, now that we have laid out this episode, would you go... And, and on a trip to Puerto Rico, would you do it? I I think I would have to. Yeah, I would. I would. I think I would. Yeah. I'd, I'd roll the dice. I'd roll the dice. See, I don't even know like what I would think if I experienced any of this personally. Like I am not, I've never had any kind of weird experiences, but like I would love to go into this rainforest. And even if I don't see anything like this, I bet you can just feel that weirdness. Like I bet just mm -hmm. from not only like the, the magic that is nature and a rainforest, but like all these stories imbue that area with even more mythology. And like, just to like feel where they came from would be super interesting to me. And some, I'm not mm -hmm. very much of a traveler, but yeah, I think I'd give it a shot. How about you? Yeah, I totally go out. I would totally, I would brave El Yunque, uh and, <laughs> you know, see what uh, it had in store for me. Maybe I'll have an encounter. Maybe I won't. I don't know exactly how many encounters are being reported today, but like, uh, I, I, I like this episode. I think we've really presented y'all with, with the case for how weird Puerto Rico really is and, and the strange sightings that it offers. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't think people talk enough about the strange beings that uh apparently live on puerto rico so yeah we've done it man and uh i can't thank you enough for coming on and, and talking about this stuff on this episode with me uh so um how can people follow along with all your projects uh you know the podcast and all that where where's the best place to track you down for all that stuff yeah well First, thank you for having me. I've been a huge fan of what you do for so long, Rob. You find like the best stories. And I know I've said this to you before, but you provide so much just imaginal fodder for me and just are constantly inspiring with the the uh, weirdness that you dig up. But uh, yeah, if you want to see some weird drawings and uh, check out the podcast I do about those weird drawings, you can find it all at createmagicstudios.com. The uh, podcast is Create Magic Podcast and it's pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts and all of that and then you can follow on instagram it's at todd de85 uh it's t-o-d-d-d-e-85 but it's all on createmagicstudios.com so yeah thank you so much for having me rob i really appreciate it dude i i appreciate i appreciate you coming on uh first and foremost we are we are definitely mutual fans of each other and the work that we do and folks if, if you want to get some merch and specifically our gondola man t-shirt todd did the artwork for that it's it's, it's his artwork and it's and it's amazing uh, i was wearing that shirt earlier today uh at work it's one of my favorites it's it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful um and as for us at the our strange size podcast if you want to find all our relevant links including you know social media pages patreon page uh merch store all that check out the show notes there's a link tree down there and you can also find every single resource that we use for this episode and there's like a ton of them i think i included like 
like 12 or 13. There's a lot. So uh, if you want to dive into that and see like a lot of the strange uh, images that uh, people have created for this, which I believe Jorge Martin created a lot of them himself. Uh, I'll be posting some of those on Instagram, on uh, Twitter, but uh, check the resources if you want to see that. Um, special thank you to Floats for the use of their song UFO as the theme for the show. Uh, thanks to Spencer Worth Davis for editing our episodes, to Megan Lagerberg for our main logo, and for the great Desdemona, and for Todd for doing some of our <laughs> t-shirt designs. And finally, don't forget to look up, because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies or sauntering down a trail in El Yunque. In gray, we trust. Yeah.